Hello, everyone. Welcome to the European Parliament and the EPP Group's podcast on EU-Russian relations. It's our latest podcast. And, uh, you know, it's, it's complicated uh, because trade is very important between the EU and Russia. The largest trading partner for Russia is the EU, and more than a third of the EU's imports of oil and a quarter and 40% of its gases uh, from Russia. So very close economic ties, but it's also very problematic. There's Russian hacking, there's election interference, there's hybrid warfare in the Baltics, there's meddling in the Balkans, rebels in Ukraine, annexation of Crimea. Should I continue with this list? Anyway, uh, with us, joining with us, and we're very, very happy and very honored to have him on board here today, is Mikhail Khodorkovsky. You are the former CEO of UCOS. That was a, a one of the, uh, that's a very large uh, uh, Russian oil company, and was, you were the richest man in Russia. You were imprisoned 10 years for fraud. You are now a businessman and philanthropist uh, in London, uh, and you head the Khodorkovsky uh, Center that encompasses a range of pro-democracy uh, activities. And also here with me is Andrus Kobilius, you're a Lithuanian member of the European Parliament. You're also uh, a former prime minister as well. And you, uh, during the Soviet time, you led an independence movement, movement during the Soviet time. You're chairman of the delegation uh, for the uh, uh, Parliamentary Assembly, the Euro Parliamentary Assembly, the uh, AFET, the Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, the delegation to EU-Ukraine Parliamentary Association Committee, and the delega delegation to the EU-Russia Parliamentary uh, Cooperation Committee. So. Uh, a lot of uh, involvement here in this issue as well. It's great to have you on board as well. Um, let me uh, give you a couple of tech tips first uh, that you should uh, send out. If you hear, hear anything great, send it out on Twitter and uh, check Facebook and Instagram uh, at EPP Group. Send out uh, your, um, your messages on that as well. Um, let's start with Mikhail. And Mikhail, uh, your reaction to this arrest of the Belarus blogger uh, Roman uh, uh, Protasevich, uh, who is uh, arrested because of a forced landing of a passenger jet. How safe do people in exile like yourself feel now? What happened to Protasevich is one of the expected methodologies of our regime. People who are in conflict with Putin we have always been thinking about such a possibility happening. And, and, uh, but the, the fact that a, a passenger jet was forced down, forced to land uh, in, in Belarus, now you've, you've called for sanctioning, sanctions against um, Belarusian oil and potash producers. Um, you're quoted as saying uh, the dictator should be punished. That's Alexander Lukashenko. He should be hit where it hurts most in his wallet. Do you really think, because a, a lot of other sanctions have not seemed to work, why would do you think that would work? Uh, I think that for Lukashenko, several dozens million dollars that he is going to be losing from his personal wallet on a monthly basis could become a significant factor that would force him to release the journalist. Do you, do you think, of it because uh, sanctions against Russia don't seem to have uh, a lot of impact, even though 
the EU has, since the annexation of Crimea, uh, imposed a uh, no-travel ban and frozen the assets of about 170 people uh, on about 50 entities. Uh, trade and tourism ban with Crimea, EU-Russia summit suspended, the US, the uh, Russia is out of the G8, it's now the G7. You know, what, what more should we do? Well, I wouldn't agree with that premise. Sanctions definitely have a significant impact on Putin's capabilities, on his regime's capabilities. But one has to bear in mind that Russia is 20 times the size of Belarus. And therefore, the inertia of that sanctions regime is much greater. Let me turn to uh, Andrus. Andrus, let me ask you, because I, I've seen you've, you've been quoted as saying we have to push back, contain, and engage with democratic Russia. Can you be more specific about that? What do you mean by that? Well, as you know, we are preparing a special report here in the European Parliament uh, with recommendations towards other EU institutions on EU-Russia future relationship. We asked for that review in the previous uh, resolutions, and now we are elaborating our own, you know, proposals, our own language. Hmm. We are using, in some way, Joseph Borrell, you know, idea right. to the, the foreign to policy use, chief of the EU. Yeah, to use those three, you know, three three uh, words, you know, uh, push back, contain, and engage. Of hmm. course, we are a little bit uh, a little bit more specific that we are saying not so much engage with Kremlin, but engage with. Uh, Russian democratic, you know, society. Right. And and here we see really what is needed to be done. Uh, you know, first of all, uh, uh, push back or deter. You know, you you need to deter uh, Putin's aggression. You know, aggressive behavior both outside and inside. Concretely, how do you mean? Uh, with sanctions, first of all. Okay. Uh, and painful sanctions, if if that is needed, including even sanctions, for example, on his support towards uh, Lukashenko, who is moving from just dictatorial behavior towards uh, terrorist behavior. Right. So, I mean, uh, Putin needs to understand his own responsibility for that, because this is the only reason why Lukashenko is still, you know, surviving. Right, and he was standing up for Lukashenko yeah. in this, in yeah. this yeah. So uh, that's, that's, that's tension right, yeah. here. Yeah. Second, of course, Putin needs to know that. If, if he will try to implement what we can call, you know, some uh, slow annexation of Belarus, you know, mm. with uh, illegitimate Lukashenko, then again, it will be considered in the same way as, as occupation of Crimea. New sanctions should be delivered. That is where we expect that, you know, meeting of uh, U.S. President Joe Biden with Vladimir Putin in, in two weeks' time. Right. Uh, that it will be a possibility for Joe Biden to send a very clear message to Vladimir Putin. So that's, that's what we expect in, in, in the nearest future. Okay, in terms of sanctions, I mentioned about how it's, the EU sanctions affect more than 170 people, 50 entities. What more should we do on that side? Well, I agree with uh, Mikhail Khodorkovsky that uh, sanctions, especially which were introduced as sectorial sanctions after you know, occupation of, of Crimea and, and uh, partly occupation of, of Donbass, they are painful for Russian economy. Mm. As uh, quite different, you know, experts from Russia, including uh, Mikhail Khodorkovsky and, for example, Vladimir Milov, who is close to Alexei Navalny, what they put into, into some of their expertise or, or studies about how, how painful are those sanctions, they, they are very clearly showing that really 
that is the reason why still Russian economy mm. is uh, not uh, catching up. Isn't this a bit, a bit tricky too? Because it's a it's a two way street on this trade. That Russia is our fifth largest trading partner. We're dependent on them for a lot of oil and gas. Uh, how much are we shooting ourselves in the foot if we tighten the screws further? Well, first of all, of course, we need to understand that what is our priority. Our priority is really to have uh, peace and stability on the European continent, and it comes only with, you know, democratic neighborhood. Mm. So our our dream and our and our geopolitical, you know, vision should be, you know, to do everything what is needed to be done and what we can do, you know, to assist Russian society uh, to transform their own country back to democracy. Right. Then our problem is that we are really very heavily dependent on Russian gas, especially gas, you know, yep. 48%. And we're building a pipeline. Yeah, pipeline. That's not good, I would say. North bad Street. even yeah, for, for several, several occasions we were, you know, making very critical uh, statements against the parliament. Uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, this is not European, uh, you know, agreement to build this pipeline. This is German government agreement. Mm. Mm. So we can expect that maybe after forthcoming elections, you know, some things will change. But most important, what we need to remember is a Green Deal, which you agreed last year. Right. Green Deal in 10, 15 years will make uh, Europe much less dependent in, in, in general on gas, mm. you know, on usage of gas, on gas imports. And that will make very big influence on how Russia will need to change its own development. Uh, Mikhail, having been head of Yukos. Uh, the oil and gas company in Russia, how much do you think that could put pressure on, on the Russians, on the Russian government? Well, I was always a proponent of personal sanctions because, because they are supported by the Russian society, targeted personal sanctions in Europe as distinct from the U.S., are very half-hearted. Yes, the Magnitsky Act was introduced only in the part where they persecute people who are violating human rights directly. But this is the second and the third echelons of the entourage. The Achilles heel, the Achilles heel of the Putin regime is corruption. And it is against the corrupt people that the sanctions should be aimed. This should be the main blow. At the same time, so far, Europe still, I wouldn't say with pleasure, but still accepts corrupt people from Russia and their money. And something has to be done about it. And I think that the example set by the UK with its law on unexplained wealth and sources of wealth would be quite useful if adopted by the European Union. Can, can you tell us a little bit about how the Khodorkovsky um, uh, Foundation, um, how your, your uh, organization is helping to expose that corruption, as we've also seen Alexei Navalny doing also online? We have several organizations. One of them, Open Russia, which 
has been operating directly in Russia has been closed down, was closed down several days ago due to the fact that the regime has deemed it undesirable and started persecuting people who engaged with that organization. Five people are facing criminal charges from that organization. So we have decided that those prison sanctions create risk which is too high to bear. At the same time, we have the dossier center and several media projects that tell the Russian society, Russian society about corruption, both in Russia and also about Russian corruption in the European Union. And quite recently, I spoke at the European Parliament with a presentation of such report. And Mr. Kubilius was present there too. The committee was listening to that presentation. Can, can you add to that, Andrus, about that, uh, you know, how that was received in the parliament? Uh, yeah, uh, really, it was a special committee which is established here in, in, in the parliament, so-called INGA committee, yes. which is investigating uh, know, how set uh, countries are influencing, you know, some political developments inside of EU. Mm. Mainly, of course, that is, that is, you know, Kremlin, Russia, a little bit China, maybe, you know, and so on. And that is uh, where really second part of our, you know, strategy, what we're saying, you know, deterrence or pushback and then containment is very much connected. Because okay. in order to, to contain Moscow influences, we need to clean our house. Because everybody, you know, knows that uh, saying that, you know, uh, the major item of uh, Kremlin export is corruption. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you know, in Europe, resistance not always is, is strong enough, you know. And uh, Mr. Khodorkovsky with his dossier center, which is really very well known, and especially last year, there are you know, reports on, on Kremlin influences in, in some of uh, so-called Eastern Partnership countries like Moldova, like Georgia, mm. other were, were really very, very, very strong. His uh, statement here on, uh, with very clear names, Okay. Offices, you know, in different uh, countries of uh, European Union, mm. uh, with you know some suspicion about their ties with uh, Kremlin. Right. You know, based on information which dossier you know center has, was really very, very I would say, very stressful, mm -hmm. very mm -hmm. powerful. You know, how how much, uh, Mikhail? How much do you think that can really weaken? Um, the Putin government by exposing that corruption? Because up to now, uh, a lot of people are looking online, for instance, at, at uh, Mr. Navalny's uh, videos and information. Uh, but how much is it, does it really pose a threat uh, looking toward these September elections? Do you think it will really have impact? Or do people, will people think that, okay, it's either Mr. Putin or it's chaos, as he's been portraying himself? Russian society is sufficiently negative in its uh, attitude to corruption of the regime. And the documents and the materials issued by the Navalny Center, published by other investigating centers and groups, there are about five that work on Russia, 
have seriously impacted Russian public opinion. And the pro-government party, the United Russia, is unlikely to expect a fair majority in these elections. But of course, we have to deal with the authoritarian regime, and therefore, it's more or less a dictatorship now. And the persecution that it uses, the repression that it uses, does not allow alternative candidates to run for places in the parliament in the forthcoming relations, um, elections. And of course, they will inject as many votes as necessary for the United Russia to get the necessary number of votes. But Russians will know that these are not, this is not the legitimate procedure. This is not the legitimate, these are not legitimate elections. But, but, but what is, then what is, if, if, you're, if you're closing down, if you close down open Russia out, out of concern that, that members would be arrested, um, what is your strategy going into the elections? And you know, in mind that uh, I think the strategy of Mr. Navalny was to ally himself with potential parties that, potential candidates that could win. And it would be sort of an anybody but Putin strategy. Do you see it that way? Well, let's put it this way. We have a similar strategy which is similar to that of Navalny. I think that the nearest parliament, the next parliament, its main function will be the handover of power in 2024. Whether this is going to be a handover from Putin to Putin or whether it's going to be a handover from Putin of somebody he has appointed, but the State Duma might play a very important role. And therefore, the key issue for the candidates is whether they support or not the fifth term of Putin in office. If those candidates who support the fifth term, these are the old, all the candidates from the United Russia, we would urge people not to vote for those candidates. So what we're doing now, we are publishing, publishing information about each individual candidate who is going to run on one specific issue, whether they're going to vote for Putin's fifth term in office. So smart voting, Navalny's strategy, is selecting out of the number of candidates standing in a particular district. If there are several candidates, they would choose the one to vote for. So we are sort of complementing each other in terms of our strategies. Are, are, you hoping, are you hoping that your English language YouTube blog explaining Russia um, will have impact internally and externally? Well, for Russian followers of social media, I have Russian language blogs, which have quite a number of looks and follows. The English language blog is mostly aimed at people who have an interest in Russia, 
who live outside Russia, because I think that outside Russia, there are not always the correct presumption or understanding of what's happening in Russia, particularly is when we're talking about the European Union, only now people, experts in the European Union are getting it, are beginning to get the fact that the regime, Putin's regime, is not to be talked to. No, you cannot negotiate with it, you cannot agree with it. Before, they had the idea in the European Union that they might bring Putin over to their own camp, to their side of good. And I'm glad that they have lost this illusion. Yes. Something that's expecting us is going to resemble Cold War. Unfortunately, this is a choice Putin has made. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, this is a bit delicate because looking toward elections, you don't want to look like you're interfering, but there is an, there is an effort by the EU to support civil society groups. How is that done from the EU side, and, and what more would you like to do? Well, uh, first of all, uh, defense of human rights, defense of the uh, right of the people for, to have a free choice, mm is, uh, first of all, Russia, when Russia became member of Council of Europe and OSCE organization, Russia promised that they will, you know, go along those lines. Right. So uh, the West, or European Union, has an obligation to demand from Russian authorities, uh, you know, to follow what, uh, what obligations they made. Yeah. That's very simple. To That's, be a member. Yeah, to be a member. Uh, now, uh, really, you know, second point, as I said, geopolitical vision of, you know, from our point of view is really to have good relations with Russia, but it depends if Russia is becoming democracy or not. Mm -hmm. Russia showed a good example of being democracy back in 1990s. Now, as, you know, post-imperial country suffers of all, you know, nostalgia problems and, and, and things like that. And that is pity because, you know, uh, Putin is making huge damage, not uh, just you know, to Europeans or neighbors of Europe, but yeah. first of all to Russian people. Uh, second, I, I really agree that you know, uh, it's very important, those elections which are coming will be very important. Uh, you know, people, as we see you know, from opinion polls, from, from different other factors in Russia, are really feeling very similar uh, feelings like uh, people in Belarus. Mm -hmm. Last year, when we saw opinion polls, which started to show that 60 or even more percent of people want uh, big changes in Belarus, we mm -hmm. understood that Lukashenko perhaps will have some trouble. Yeah. Lukashenko allowed Svetlana Sikhanovskaya to become a candidate, and, uh, and that really made, uh, you know, all the impact on, on the developments in Yeah, and then, in, there was a then there was a crackdown. Yeah, yeah. And so how far have we come there? Yeah, but, uh, but first of all, really, you know, uh, Svetlana Sikhanovska, which was, you know, not, not politician, you know, before that, she was, you know, she became a symbol of change. Yes. Uh, what we see in, in Russia, on one side, society is feeling very similar, you know, demand for change, mm. especially among younger part of society. And on another side, we see that uh, Putin is behaving in a very similar way uh, as Lukashenko.
Mm. The question is, will he allow anybody to become symbols of change? I agree absolutely, you know, with what Mikhail Khodorkovsky was saying about, you know, uh, asking very simple question, you know, are you in favor or not, you know, for Putin to stay for fifth term? Mm -hmm. But we need to be ready that Russia really also is going through some kind of this, you know, historical, historical development and historical changes. And, uh, of course, it will not be easy. Okay. You know, crack can be radical. Yeah. But uh, as history is showing, when, you know, when people are starting to demand, you know, change and yeah. democracy, authoritarian regimes usually cannot stay for a long time, you know, in place. Uh, Mikhail, let me ask you uh, about something that I heard Andres say, and maybe we'll have him comment after that. He said, you said, give the trio of Eastern partnership countries, including Ukraine, a clearer path toward their integration, maybe offering them what in uh, Romano Prodi, the ex-European uh, Commission president, and was called, has called everything but institutions. But when, when we've seen closer relations with the EU, um, uh, Moscow has taken it as a provocation. We saw that in Georgia. We saw that in, the U in Ukraine. Do you think that that is right, a clearer path toward integration? Uh, well, I cannot see any reason why there should be any concessions made to Putin if he doesn't want a particular country to integrate closer with the European Union or into the European Union. There is absolutely no reason to make concessions to him apart from military threat from him. Well, if there is a military threat, unfortunately, could be faced with two options. Either you agree to submit to that military threat, or you do not, and you withstand it to push back. So there is absolutely no grounds as part of any partnership agreements or agreements as part of the United Nations or the Parliamentary Assembly, European Parliamentary Assembly, where Russia takes part. I cannot see any grounds as part of any of such agreement for the countries who want to integrate closer with the European Union would need to seek Kremlin's permission or agreement. So, so in other words, as, as Mikhail was saying, a lack of action, a lack of integration, is appeasement. Is that, what you're, is that how you yeah, see it too, Andres? Absolutely, and uh, and you know, and at least from my point of view, uh, when Putin is uh, making his aggressive moves against you know Ukraine or Georgia or, or in some way Moldova, mm. he really wants to stop uh, the you know integration towards EU. Not so much you know to grab any 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 territory, but to stop the integration. Mm. Why? Why he's afraid of their integration towards you? Because success of Ukraine, success of Georgia, success of Moldova really can inspire ordinary Russian people to follow their example, yeah. to create democratic country, you know, developing integration, you know, and so on. And integration wow. really it's... is one of, you know, the only one instrument which is allowing those countries really to become successful countries. It will become contagious. Yeah, yeah, and that's <laughs> that's why he is fighting against. So yeah. I, I. I would wish to convince, you know, EU not to be afraid of, of his, you know, uh, you know, negative approach towards, uh, you know, success of those countries, because yeah. really, at the end, 
success of your neighborhood brings also success to yourself. Second point, what we are offering, and also very simple, that EU should speak now, you know, to, EU should develop and should speak out very loudly what kind of relationship, what kind of strategy of relationship in between of EU and democratic Russia, EU is going to establish, but democratic Russia. Mm. Not with Russia of Putin, you know, but after Putin. If democracy will be established in, in Russia. So what kind of relationship we are going to, to have, you know, yeah. from our side? Free trade, visa-free, strategic, you know, partnership for modernization, whatever. Yeah. We, can, we can have the whole, you know, the whole package of, of, of really of our thoughts, just again, to show the people in Russia what they are, you know, failing to get because still they have this Kremlin regime, what they, what they have. Uh, Mikhail, do, do you see it that way too, about this selling point for democracy as being uh, better, better lives, better uh, jobs and, and economic activity in Russia? Do you think that, that, that resonates? Or, uh, you know, I, I interviewed uh, Helmut Kohl a few uh, years ago, and he told me that the Ostpolitik of engaging with the East helped to break down the resistance and crack the Soviet bloc. Which way should it go? Which way do you think, what should the, uh, the West's approach be? I would like to adduce an example, an example of Ukraine. I think if Ukraine today reached or achieved, and I'm convinced that it can, good results in its economy, also due to the integration with the European Union, for example, the attractiveness of the Putin model would be going down even more than it is now for Crimeans, for Donbass residents. We can see that, in fact, it's already happening in Crimea, where people realize, already realize that the situation that they found themselves as a result of the annexation, the situation which at the beginning raised some hopes, now has led them to a much worse standard of living than they could have had. If Ukraine's successes were greater, economic successes, and this is really very importantly linked to the integration with the European Union, then I think the opinions of people in Crimea would be much stronger in favor of Ukraine. It is not by weapons, but by economic successes, by setting an example of a free and prosperous life is the way to persuade dictatorships in the 21st century. So, Mikhail, just a, a final quick word, uh, because we've got to wrap this up. Um, what do you think this House, this European Parliament, should do, uh, Andrus and the others, the 700-plus uh, members of the European Parliament, what should they do now, concretely, to help to change things in Russia without looking like they're intervening? How, how should we change... How, should, how much tougher should be the sanctions? How much support should there be? How much more support should there be for civil society? 
which is very important and a very important element of its policy is to never to equate to equate Russia and the Kremlin never to equate Russian people who are absolutely normal European people never equate them with the gang of Putin's this is extremely important because the European Union cannot do anything about Russia. It is impossible. Russia is too big as a country. But when we talk about Putin's regime with Putin's gang, we're talking about, well, a few hundreds, perhaps a few thousands of the masterminds. A lot can be done about them. And strengthening relations with Russian people, supporting Russia, and at the same time, introducing, oh, oh, sorry, fighting much greater, creating much greater pushback with the interage, against the interage of Putin, one could achieve really positive results because R Russia could become a solution to many problems, to many global problems facing the European Union and the rest of the world, and not just yet another headache, which it is at the moment. Indeed. Andrus. Can you give us some final comments? Where do we go from here, you know, on, in terms of sanctions, in terms of uh, supporting civil society, in terms of the Magnitsky-style act that we have uh, passed here and we're imposing, right? Well, I, I agree with what Mikhail have said, you know. Uh, we need, you know, to have very clear, you know, division of what is needed to be done. First of all, we need to push back Kremlin on his aggressive, you know, behavior, either, you know, outside of Russia or inside of Russia when he is waging the war against, you know, uh, citizens of Russia, you know, right. like Navalny, like Mikhail Khodorkovsky, and so on and so on. Second, we need to contain, you know, export of Russian corruption, but also we need to clean our house, you know, because okay. we accept sometimes that corruption. That is very, very, again, we cannot fight for, you know, future of Russia if we are not able uh, to, to clean our house. And the last point, of course, engage with, you know, uh, democratic society of Russia, which, you know, is uh, really coming, uh, is becoming much stronger. And what we need to do with ourselves, we need to start to believe that also Russia can be a democracy. That is what Putin is trying mm -hmm. to convince us opposite, you know, that Russia will never be a democracy. Russia always is living with stars or general secretaries or whatever, you know. And Russia is some kind of special, you know, society, a little bit, you know, wild east with, with nuclear, you know, bomb in, in the hands. That is totally wrong. If Ukraine can become a democracy, if Belarusians are fighting for democracy, Russia can become a democracy and we can assist Russia. Just let's not be afraid of Putin, you know, and his, and his entourage, you know, with all their threats and so on and so on. Let's assist Russia to become a democracy. Andrews, thank you very much. Mikhail, thanks as well. Thanks to everyone for, for watching this. Um, let's uh, see what, the, what further the European Parliament can do. And, uh, and we'll see you uh, next time. Make sure to you check uh, on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram at EPP Group and uh, check out uh, everything that, uh, that is being posted there uh, regarding EU Russia and other issues. Thanks very much for watching.